0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome to Blue Mountain Village Voices.
0: Well, good afternoon, Paula Hope, and congratulations on your candidacy for counsel for a second term.
1: Yes, thank you, Andrew. I'm delighted to be able to put my name forward for a role that uh, I've really enjoyed over the last couple of years. And I have such love for this community. I'm so delighted to to be considered to be part of the Next Steps.
0: That's great. Well, uh, I know it has been uh, an exciting four years and (laughs) lots of change in our community. You know, Council has had to uh, manage growth change, the same labor shortage that all of us have had to manage. And then you had a pandemic in the middle of everything. So when you look at what council has achieved in the last uh, few years, it's quite remarkable. Were there any lessons that you took from uh, the that pandemic period that you'll take forward in the in the rest of your career, just as a person? <laughs>
1: Yes. So first of all, thank you for the recognition about the role of council in COVID. I think that council has had a very successful four years. You know, were they perfect years? No, but there was so much that was achieved. So thank you for saying that. And thank you for recognizing specifically how council had managed the pandemic. In terms of lessons learned, I mean, every day there were lessons to be <laughs> learned throughout the pandemic. And also I was appointed in the middle of the council term. So I was appointed about a year and a half in, but right the first day that council went virtual was the day I was sworn in. So it was March 30th, 2020. So what did I learn? I mean, I learned about for my career because I am a, I am a certified trainer and a certified coach. So the wonders of virtual is what I learned. I had a real bias for face-to-face interfaces, and I realized the power of virtual and the fact that we made all these incredible decisions virtually it, it certainly took its toll in terms of the culture of council, but at the same time, it was remarkable how much business got done. So that will, I will always carry with me. It has changed my personal habits. I am mm. you know, I learned to become a facilitator virtually. I learned to coach virtually. I learned so much because of that. So that would I would say would be the biggest takeaway. I also think at the same time, we had a, kind of a Petri dish around trauma, Mm. Because COVID was a trauma and the impact that it's had on others in terms of, say, the memory of that time. Uh, I think a lot of us have just, we have so much lost time. And I think we're still recovering. And I think it's going to be taking a couple of years. And I hope that everybody remembers this about themselves so that if they find that they're not themselves at times around issues, it, I think everyone should look at that. So, how many times in our history have we had? That opportunity to be in a collective trauma yeah and, and to help each other after, so I think we need to be very generous
0: to yeah I, well. I would agree with you, yeah, one of the things that I learned interestingly is that how much I relied on in the past my recent and long-term experience to guide me in decision-making. So, you know, over a career, you kind of build instincts, you know, managing the village and working in the community here, you sort of build instincts on how seasons go. And I didn't realize how much I relied on those instincts in decision-making. And, and now when I look to today, none of those instincts are relevant anymore. And so... I have to put more work into decision making. And uh, that is something I'm learning. And it's, it's fascinating. It's almost challenging me to relearn everything. And that's been one of my my aha moments is there's some things in instincts that I can bring forward, but some of it has changed dramatically. So it's it's challenging yourself to learn and ask more questions.
1: Yeah, I love what you said. And, you know, it's kind of saying farewell to retained wisdom.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what you were
1: saying and retained assumptions. And we that's need right. to look at all of them uh, again through a completely different lens. And uh, yeah, if you, if you love learning, which I, I certainly anyone who's running for council or thinking about running for council, d- don't do this unless you love to learn, unless you're a lifelong learner uh, as you are. And that's uh, right. Andrew, of course. So For those of us that love learning, this is really exciting. For those that are not necessarily in that space or they're not in a psychological space to be learners, it's very challenging right now. And I just think we should never forget that. But I I think that your comment about we can't make any assumptions from Mm -hmm. the past anymore. We can make certain assumptions, but people are still people. But there's so much that change that has to be recognized. That's
0: right. That's right, yeah. and you got and you gotta sort of accept it and acknowledge it. So yes. mm-hmm. um, so let's let's jump right into it. So yeah. uh, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your background in the community.
1: Oh, my background in the yeah. community. so my my background does span generations. My great-grandparents were one of the first settlers just on the other side of Mayford, right on the other side of the tank range. Mm. They were only one uh, concession away from being expropriated from the Mayford tank range. So my family gatherings were at the Woodford Hall and we had a lot of fun there because all of our parents and grandparents would be in the hall because that's where you weren't going to be drinking. Mm. Whereas because of Own Sound was dry till 1972, all the action was really in the trunk parties outside. <laughs> so I do have that as part of my DNA. You know, I remember, you know, being in my grandfather's fields and listening to the booming of the Meeker Tank Range mm-hmm. and, and really being farmers. Those are my roots. And uh but in terms of the community itself my husband and i david moved up here in 2013 uh, and started in Laura Bay and we were so attracted to the community because we wanted to be on Georgian Bay mm. uh, that was very important to us we sold our family cottage in Perry Sound and we realized coming up to uh, our daughter's place in Thornbury that this was a perfect place to be for winters and and just you know to retire so that's what we were looking at. but in, And we thought we would have a quieter time, but uh, I was bitten pretty early at Laura Bay. I'd become the chair of the social committee of Laura Bay and got to know a lot of folks who were very active in the community. And that led me to a number of different organizations. And ultimately there I, went, I found myself being the chair of the 2014 municipal election, candidates questioning uh, at Laura Bay, about 150 people. And I was standing there saying, Oh, oh my goodness, I I think I see my destiny here. Mm. So 2018, I did throw my hat in the ring and and have never looked back.
0: It's amazing. Uh, You're part of a really interesting trend, especially from folks kind of on the eastern side of Georgian Bay, uh, mm -hmm. who had cottages in that area, but I've actually chosen to settle here and retire here because it has that full four season yeah. lifestyle and you can have a lot of your, your needs met all year round. And there's attractions and, and, you know, winter sports, summer activities. So it kind of has it all. Although there's a few things that, you know, we know we still need to work on, but, uh, you can see why people have, have chosen to do that. Yeah. Oh,
1: I, I do think, and that's you know why I would run for election. I do think that we live in one of the most beautiful places in this country even and we in my view we have one of the best countries in the world i value democracy and democratic values and transparency and all of those elements and and i just feel that we're so very fortunate here so I love where I live. I know that something like 93% of uh, in a recent survey of of the people who live here love where they live, Mm. but the biggest challenge to your point that there's more to do, we really need to protect what we have. And that has motivated me. That was the first reason I ran in 2018. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Unionville, Ontario. And I saw Unionville save itself through the Village Festival. Eventually, it wasn't able to, but I saw what community action could bring. And I, you know, since that time, it has lost its character. And, and I've seen the same thing with Oakville. So I am very determined, mm. very determined that it will not happen here. That's why I ran.
0: Excellent. And so how would you define that? What What are the things that are the biggest threats on the horizon in terms of that, you know, if it's local or even in some of those other communities, mm. what has taken something and changed its character so dramatically that it can't be recovered from?
1: So going back to what I've seen yeah. versus what I think threatens, because yeah. I would like to go to what threatens. Tell yeah. Me about. yeah, start
0: that. Yeah, But,
1: but uh, what I have seen is development that's not thought through. Mm. Uh, And, uh, you know, the the municipalities need to protect themselves, but they want to have, I'm not against development, but I'm certainly against development that isn't well thought out. Uh, So partnering with the developer to really create, to meet the needs of the municipality. And I do believe that can happen very much. So it all is about great conversations and great directions and goals and so on. So uh, what I saw happen was Careless. Mm. Development or careless oversight. Uh, I have certainly seen very poor leadership that created this situation. So I have. I am a student of leadership. I value great leadership principles, and also the Univille example was the Pickering Airport, which was forcing the buying up at the time. So governments not showing a whole lot of foresight, and then changing their minds or having an election. So a mishmash of activities that have created the result that when I was driving, I, so I, was a, I am a cyclist. And so I cycled a lot in the Univille area and I was going up the road, you know, maybe 10 years ago and I was trying to find where I grew up mm-hmm. just by sight and none of it was familiar. It was only till I could see a tree in the distance that I remembered that was in a park that was still there. So when you've lost that and you've seen that happen to your origins, for me anyway, I find it very motivating. I'm very passionate about what we have up here and if I can, I'll go into Blue Mountains and about sure. um, yeah. what I find is such an opportunity is that so much of the area of of, of the Town of Blue Mountains is protected. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. through the Niagara Department Commission, because I'll get into one of the threats there or the Georgia Bay Biosphere or and we have wonderful agricultural zoning and special agricultural zoning. Special ag lands, they really can't be touched. And I love that. So over 50% of our lands are controlled or regulated. It's hard to get at them with the yep. exception of one element, which I'll talk about, known as Castle Glen. But we then have the opportunity the people part to protect our tree canopy, to do all the things that we need to do to protect the lungs of the world uh, through good policies, to grow well, to work through uh, our trees, our natural infrastructure, and to really come up with what is already a special place to to be absolutely exceptional Mm -hmm. and a seven generation opportunity. So we need to do it right. So you can see from my passion that it's the municipal government certainly working with the provincial government which i'll get to in a moment to protect what we have that the blend that we have uh, one of my favorite things about the town is the vistas mm. so as a cyclist you know i go up the top of uh, gray road 33 not far and you and it, it's just stunning you just yeah. don't see that, and of course, from the top of the mountains it's it's exceptional, so we have to yeah, preserve
0: all of that for sure so it's it's interesting in the the original master plan for the village, and there's a there's a really great landscape master plan and structural master plan, it was all designed to facilitate views and vistas so where the buildings were placed how everything was built the the height the shape it vistas is a big part of what we protect through our internal policies around uh installations building etc so yeah that resonates with me and and it's it's something that we we hear a lot from visitors as as something they really appreciate about coming even in even in the village which is a beautiful but manufactured environment a built environment it, that was a really central to the theme
1: yeah oh that 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 is really exciting to hear. And this is no accident Yeah, that, that, you know, and certainly the village being such a core part of our economic abundance and cultural abundance. So we are so fortunate, but we have to be just as fortunate in our wisdom in preserving our future. For sure. And that uh, I always worry about, I call it, you know, death by a thousand cuts. So if we make the wrong decision as a council, to, let's just say, you know, go up to five stories in a key building in the community. Well, that that can change our small town branding. So we, we have to be vigilant at all times to make sure that we are protecting ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're a marketer as well. And you know that it's your actions every minute that preserves your brand. Yeah, and that small sure. town brand yeah, is worth important. a fortune. Yeah. You know, look how carefully done the Blue Mountain Village is done and, and yeah. the pointness of the thornberry main street some of it came from happenstance mm-hmm. but a lot of it came from you know just
0: design with purpose
1: design and purpose yeah it was designed with purpose. yeah and so attention.
0: on the and then we'll I'll move on to the next question which is sort of related but from a municipal perspective what is the best lever or what is the best thing that a municipal council can do to protect that culture is it a very robust and deep official plan? Are there other things? like What, what do you think?
1: Uh, yes. So first of all, I, you know, I, as you know, I was the chair of the official plan steering committee and I was there because, partly because of the passion that you've just heard about. So I do believe that official plans, well-written, well-researched, really well execution mm-hmm. being really key as well. I do believe that official plans can do a lot of controls. At the same time, back to the vigilance you know, that's exhibited in the official plan. But for example, Castle Glen, mm. you, know, you have a situation where you need to take leadership. You know, and I think our council has done a good job. We've anticipated this. We haven't had any applications yet, but we're already looking to, and our citizens have encouraged us and taken great leadership as well, so that we can protect something that would be very serious. If we were to entertain the Castle Glen de- development, we could lose our UNESCO accreditation. Which is so fundamental to everything that we have. So that kind of vigilance as well. Mm -hmm. So it's being ahead as well to prevent the death of the Theskut. So it's just like any good marketer. Yes, there's what you do every day, but it's also, you know, what you're setting up for tomorrow.
0: And can an official plan address grandfathered or grandparented projects Mm -hmm. like
1: that? (laughs) We are going to find out. I suspect that this is, I think we have to do everything we can. Mm. And that does include going to our provincial colleagues because, you know, way back when, you know, this situation came up in earlier times, we had provincial representation, leaders of political parties speaking up and helping us. So we need to get awareness out there because I do think that Castle Glen is one of the most serious issues that this municipality will be facing and it Mm -hmm. needs to do what it can to protect itself.
0: For those of you who are listening, um, Castle Glen is a parcel of land at the top of the Niagara Escarpment in the town of Blue Mountains, but in the east end close to Collingwood near all the hiking trails in that area. There's some hiking trails and there's yeah. some existing developments. And there's an old plan that dates back to when? 1971. Paul? 1971. And it envisioned uh, multiple golf courses, some hotels, about 1,600 or so yes, residences. Yes. Mm-hmm. So a new developer has purchased the land. And so the town is trying to figure out what it can do in advance to make sure what is done in that land is, is appropriate. So that'll be one to watch. So for anyone listening, mm-hmm. Google Castle Glen, Blue Mountains or Collingwood, and you'll get a little more context. It's an important discussion, and no doubt it will be one that will continue to happen. But in, in a related way, from an economic development perspective, there's a lot of recovery that needs to happen, pandemic as well as infrastructure gaps, as well as uh, a number of factors. What do you think the municipality's role could or should be uh, in order to support economic development across the town?
1: It recovery, really? Yeah. Uh, back to what we talked about, the trauma that we're all coming from. So we, so first of all, as I said, human trauma takes a couple of years mm-hmm. or more. It will be the same thing with the economy. We're going to have to be diligent for a long time. Well, we're always going to have to be diligent, but we're going to have to be uh, proactive in our plans. So what can we do to support our small business owners right now is my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Whether in the village or Thornbury Main Street, all, all of our small business owners, what can we do to help them? You know, I think we can look at revitalizing, for example, the Thornbury, clarksburg area, we need to, I think, be considering investing. Uh, I think on, on uh, the Blue Mountain Village side, certainly making sure that development is well thought out. But in terms of the village itself, I probably would be looking more direction from you, uh, Andrew, but what you would be looking for, for the small businesses and for the resort as well. So uh, maybe for a second, if I could turn that back to you in terms of your own patch, what would Mm -hmm. you be looking for?
0: Well, I think first and foremost, I'd be looking for, I'd look for the town to facilitate the different sectors to come together. Mm -hmm. Because I think municipalities can play a great role in in facilitation, issues identification, and communication. So, you know, one of the things that I know from working with the different sectors here, whether it's the service sector, whether it is the tourism experience providers, accommodations, did I say agriculture? I might have said it twice. Yeah, you did first one. Um, but uh, looking, You're good. <laughs> you know, working with all of those, uh, working with all of those sectors, we have so much more in common mm. than we realize. But we don't often come together. So I think that is a great role for the economic development team. Yeah. And you know, I think that the secret sauce of South Georgia Bay is our ability to collaborate. Yes. But as you talked about the trauma we've all experienced, the stress everyone's under, I think it has been much more difficult to collaborate. So I think that could be something that the town could really help with. And then of course, there is the infrastructure development around advancing labor force, mobility and development, uh, whether that's transit infrastructure, And then, uh, of course, the Attainable Attainable Housing housing. File, which we'll talk a little bit about. I think those are some real areas where we could work together to enhance the service and enhance the community. On on another note, I believe that the Town of the Blue Mountains is, we're a municipality that is reaching its adulthood in that Mm -hmm. uh, there was an amalgamation 20 Mm -hmm. plus years ago. There was a big master plan to create a village and a tourism economy that was actually developed by... The owners at the time and the town and the county. And now we are at this inflection point where the way in which we have relied on our neighbors might need to change in the future. So healthcare is largely facilitated through Collingwood. Social services is largely facilitated through Great County uh, out of Owen Sound and beyond. Our education, we don't have a local post secondary education. Right. It's facilitated in Collingwood or Owen Sound okay. or Barrie. Um, or Meaford. Or Meaford at the secondary level. So I think the municipality, what one of the things I think the municipality can be thinking about is as we advance our relationship with the county, what do we want this municipality to provide for economic growth and community growth? And I think now that we're reaching adulthood, we probably need to make different investments to ensure that we have those services locally or that we strengthen those collaborative networks to get better results. So I think there's something there. And it made sense for us to rely on our neighbors for so many years. But I feel like we're entering adulthood. We need to stand on our own two feet a little bit. Mm. And I think that that's something the municipality could really lead so that—that's just some of my musings.
1: Yeah. Well, I—I I, I think it's very exciting because what you're really speaking to is—is is vision. Yeah. We need to have a vision for ourselves mm-hmm. as the Taliban Mountains. And one thing that I would note about what you're saying about educational institutions, you know, and there's quite a tradition about education. You see mm-hmm. all the uh, schoolhouses every corner. Yeah. That was to attract Scottish settlers. My course. my my family, Scottish is because of the emphasis that was placed on education. So in fact, that is deep in our history. If you look at the population of the Town of Blue Mountains, there's some number like over 60% of the members of the community have some kind of post-secondary degree or certification. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most educated communities. And their success has been tied a, a lot to education, not necessarily inheritance, but to education. Yeah. So there is a really strong value around education, you know, thinking about a culinary school here, mm-hmm. like how exciting, I mean, the, the one in New York is in some obscure part of the, the mountains in New York. So, so there's so many things we could do. Mm-hmm. And also, for example, if we were, and we heard an idea from another candidate about putting in some kind of school for trades. I mean, this is construction, agriculture. There's so much that we could do. And in fact, we, we've got exceptional capability to offer from an yeah. agriculture perspective. So there's an awful lot, I think, from a learning institution perspective that I think speaks to the kind of vision that you're talking about. Yeah. That I think that we could do a lot, but I, I really like your analogy. I think it's really fair. We're, we've been thinking in the weeds as yeah. young teenagers. That's right. We're graduating from high school yeah. and now we've got a... You yeah. know, we'll pick a major. That's right. We, yeah, we got to
0: we gotta get our life plan, our vision <laughs> yeah. board together as I, an adult. Yeah.
1: I'm 120% yeah. with you on that. So yes, in terms of the original question about how to help businesses, yes, of course, all the elements that you've talked about in terms of infrastructure and making this continue to make this place what it is Mm -hmm. and what has attracted others. I I still think that's paramount. I still think that's the top of the the vision. And then beyond that, how can we do that? And an economic forum, we could have a Davos economic forum Mm -hmm. to talk about how do we recover together? That's right. Uh, that would be really exciting. Yeah, thought leadership. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. A
0: BAMF Center like uh, initiative. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of great things. Yeah, that oh, wouldn't
1: done. that be great? And it's yeah. how suitable. But I I,
0: I do think there's lots of collaborative networks, but I do think that the economic development team here in the town mm. could really help with that to multi-sectoral collaboration. I think, yeah. you know, when I look at the tourism industry, we are so reliant and we're going to be increasingly reliant on technology platforms. Yeah. You know, we're going to need technology. To help solve our labor situation. We're going to need to develop new models. Uh, When you look at agriculture, they are relying so heavily on technology in the modernization of their orchards. Doing a tour of an agricultural facility is is a mind-blowing experience. I think anyone who hasn't done one should when you see the, the technology. But we don't have right now in the town of Blue Mountains, a target or an area or a zone that is attracting Tech firms and young people and vibrancy. There's some in Collingwood. A lot of us have to rely on uh, uh, service providers from down in the city. Ironically, though, a lot of these brands and tech firms are looking to get out of the city. Mm-hmm. But what we need in the town of Blue Mountains is employment lands so they could build. Mm-hmm. And right now we have a shortage there because I, I often feel that the I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but since <laughs> you asked me, um, we look at our historical sectors and we think that, you know, it's not that they are going to continue to be the dominant sectors. It's in fact that their needs change and therefore new sectors can come and they can grow together. So there's some interesting stuff there.
1: If I could just follow up in your comment on technology, what has, keeps coming up for me is, you know, the nomadic lifestyle, yeah. digital nomads and so on. And we could ha- offer, we do offer so much. So just backtrack for a second we were 50-50 in terms of full-time residents and yep. part-time residents. And during COVID, there's a flip. So it's 42% now that are part-timers and almost 60% full-timers. And it's because it's a big August, shift during COVID, they saw how beautiful this, you know, it is here. So we have lifestyle yeah. to offer. Mm-hmm. Extraordinary lifestyle as you would in San Francisco or, you know, so we, we would compare anywhere in the world. And I think Collingwood is bringing that forward. And I mm-hmm. think we could really amplify that. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I think Collingwood is a, uh, is a few steps ahead uh, on that diverse uh, attraction of different sectors, yeah. but I agree with the opportunities there. We don't like to admit there. it, but I think <laughs> you're right. <laughs> have you ever thought I'd love to have a podcast just like this one?
1: dot com slash Wondery.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, um, and thank you, I really appreciate that perspective. I want to ask you a little bit about transportation. There's so much talk about transportation. The other day I had this experience. I was driving from Meaford to the village for work, and I had a 750-meter Traffic jam uh, at the major intersection in Meaford, and then I had a 500-meter traffic jam in Thornbury. And I understand why people are concerned because the the volumes. And it, this is in shoulder season. This isn't during high high tourism. There's a lot of activity where, but there's a lot of issues with transportation. What do you think the biggest challenges are, and the opportunities to make an impact in the next four years?
1: Yes, yeah, so I know that transportation is an uh, area of expertise for you, and and I think that the transportation master plan has done some wonderful work, and I know that you were involved with that, Andrew. So I think the top two issues uh, are not in our hands, which is mm. you know basically the highway twenty six and how we manage our throughway and traffic and so on. so and then secondly, the province when it comes to feed limits. So, uh, we, the town has adopted an approach where it's going to work very carefully with both of those levels. And the first one being creating that bypass, I think it's the most critical element. I feel I was in a meeting with the minister of transportation, uh, minister Carolyn Mulroney, mm-hmm. and I feel that we've won that one. You know, let's not just rest our laurels, don't get me wrong, but it seemed to be, Fairly well accepted. So we did a great job of being proactive mm-hmm. with that issue. Ahead and of leaning the game. it wow. I mean, full points to, to us. So I think that's the first thing is to get that bypass because we don't want to have a four lane highway on 26, the cost of expropriation, but but first of all, the human cost and of taking course. people's homes. and So, so we, we want to avoid that. We do need to think about lowering our speed limits, which is part of the transportation master plan. And that's working with the province. And I do believe that we will be able to do that. So I see those as the, the top two. And then Beyond that, I'm very touched about active transportation because when you look at the statistics, and again, as part of the work of the plan, you see something like almost 60% of the activity along 26 is around small errands. It's just residents Mm -hmm. going back and forth doing their thing. Well, how about if we start thinking about e-bikes or mm-hmm. I, uh, or regular bikes or um, bike lanes yeah bike yeah. lanes and, and really making this a cyclist community because i do think that's a real opportunity for economic growth too yeah. but supporting active presentation also p- pedestrian so mm-hmm. better connectivity which i know the village and craig we need to help a lot more around that the town needs to uh, so really encouraging active transportation i believe is great for climate, but it's also uh, all part of the solution.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I fully really agree with you. Here in the in the village and Craigleith, kind of the east end of town, one of the challenges is there's been a pretty big tear in growth in terms of development. You know? Oh yes, and more and, to follow. And more to follow. Yeah. yeah, and so some of those. It's interesting how development works because some of those, the way it happens is the <laughs> subdivisions get built first, then the homes get built, then people come in, and then and, over time. The finishing happens, the sidewalks get built, the trails get finalized. And if a development is stalled, then some of those things don't get finished. So I think what we're experiencing here in this end of the, of the municipality is a lot more people coming together, a lot more traffic and foot traffic, but a lot of dead end trails and some traffic mm-hmm. issues. So in that paradigm, if we know we have to wait, are there interim measures we can do to improve safety? In the short term, you know, temporary crosswalks or, uh, <laughs> or
1: lowering speed limits, yeah, or yeah, or technology that warns the drivers what speed you're at, yeah, you know, that's been very, very effective. Yeah, uh, yeah. So all of those, I think, are key. So there's a the provincial policy statement that we studied as part of the official plan review, and it insists that infrastructure should be completed before you do development. Well. How about doing that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that we've been a wonderful rural community and we're 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 growing up now. And yeah, we need to finish. And I do think that there's a lot
0: here on yeah. this
1: side well, on the East End yeah. that we and, need to look at.
0: You know, the homeowners and the developers have front paid those things. So the development charges go up front to pay for that. So the town is sitting on some reserves related to that. So part of it is how more quickly can we implement some of these things?
1: Yeah. And how can we build without sidewalks? But like that, those have to be put in. And I think if you're looking at the city, you usually see that. Yeah. So we yeah. we need to mm-hmm. make sure that we're in the big leagues, which is yeah. where the rest of the world sees yeah. us. So I think that we need to look at that. Now I Full kudos to the town and to the town's leadership. It's part of the success, in my view. We've hired heavily to get really well-qualified leadership around implementing infrastructure. We pulled off a real infrastructure challenge with downtown Thornbury with 100-year-old pipes. And trees that had to be worked around and an uproar in the community. And we've been able to manage it really, really well.
0: Mm -hmm. Built a new parking lot downtown. Build
1: new. Thank you. The parking lot downtown, which, you know, always comes with excitement, but, but yeah, what a help to retailers. So all of that, uh, we're on our way. We've hired infrastructure staff who are going to help us with the, you know, $200 million of Mm -hmm. projects that we've heard about that we need to implement. That's in the works now. And I'm really proud uh, that's not easily done, as I know you could appreciate yeah. those that are involved with yeah. implementing programs. Yeah. Something as massive and as expensive as that of the of infrastructure programs, they have been well led and well executed. And over the next uh, council period, we're going to see the fruits of all mm-hmm. that labor.
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen that, and our and the the, the Craigleith Village community has seen a lot of that happen, particularly in the Thornbury area. I think what the the members here are looking for next is to finish that and see that same level of investment in Craigleaf. Yes. Uh, it's lacking,
1: yeah. So what happened particularly in the Thornberry issue is that it was becoming really pressing. the yeah. hundred year pipes you know there was roots all around, you know it was serious. But I agree with you, and I do want to make it very clear that I see that we should be taking better care of the East End. You know we heard about that with one council member that, this last term and I you know I'm I think that, that that's fair. I think we need to you know even snow removal not happening you know so there's commitments being made and certainly we've got new developments coming in here, three so we need to watch very carefully mm-hmm. how we manage that and how well we respect the existing residents you know, we need to improve on that as well. So I agree with you, but also the biggest one that I heard with the group that you brought forward to the official plan review steering committee, Andrew, was green space. Yep. I think, you know, knocking on doors in this area, it really, I'm reminded how critical it is to have more green space in this beautiful area that is known for its green space. Yeah. So uh, I see that as a pressing issue and something that should be done within this council term.
0: Yeah, there's some green space parks that are you know, not really programmed. They're kind of there. Is there an opportunity to add to that inventory? Do you uh, see that the municipality doing that or is that a requirement of developers? What, what do you think?
1: Well, I think that we should be focusing on upgrading parks here. Mm-hmm. And there are a few in Thornbury that could do with some upgrades. Yeah. A lot of it is around planting trees. So that only adds to the lungs of the world. So, but uh, yes, I do think that there should be, you know, obviously I'm working with my colleagues and so on to bring this about, but yes, I do think we need to uh, look at green space, uh, whether it's through acquisition or through developers or working with the community. Yes, I, I, I think that there's an absence of green space and... I live in Thornbury. I have a lot of green space and yeah. that's where I go when I bicycle. I'm in all kinds of green space. Yeah. And I really think that it's very important that we be looking at our brand again, but also, first of all, the livability issue, what we have been offering to members of the of, of the community it should be offered across the region. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is just, now's the time to get there with all yes. of this development and there's opportunity yes. to be a bit more proactive with some that's coming and, yes. and working together.
1: And aren't we lucky, I know, and and if I could, I'm just, you know, something big that I learned, the official plan review that I talk about all the time, that we're at that point where we can fix things now. But one of these days, death by a thousand cuts, we're not going to be able to do that. And for me, the big statistic that came from the growth management report that the official plan steering committee commissioned, and that is is that we have 4,500 committed, approved units in our pipeline right now. And in order to meet our social and political obligations through the county or through the town, we're only required to build 3,500 units over the next 25 years. We have already lived up to our commitments. So then we can be thinking about green space. For example, we don't have to be In a rush, like so many other municipalities, we have to make those units attainable as much as we can, Mm -hmm. not taking anything away from that responsibility, but we have no problem building here or builders wanting to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to inventory those 4,000 units to see how many of them are estate type single detached versus a higher density. I suspect I know the answer. But
1: yes, uh we do we need yeah. to look at that. 700 yeah. of them have been dedicated to Castle Glen by the way yeah. according to the okay. planners. So, gotcha. But I agree with you that the mix and range of housing is all part of the solution. So we need to look at larger homes. We've we've had more than our share. We have beautiful estates here. We're talking about new uh builds and whether we want to take responsibility around whether we have policies that discourage mm-hmm. larger yeah. square footage when it's just not needed mm-hmm. and you're taking up valuable green space and farmland. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, work with us. And yeah. I mean, density is a scary word and people immediately go to height, but there's so many different ways to get a, a strategy for density that helps get more units, a better mix of housing, and also protects the environment. What comes to mind to you as the best? or maybe preferable options to explore?
1: There is a lot of development coming to Craigley just to go to the micro for a minute. And a lot of the units there planned are townhouses and semis. Uh, so hopefully that's going to help it. Some of these units could be worth a lot of money. <laughs> you know, so I think the best move right now is which, where you were going about the 4,500 units. Let's do it right so that we are, well, first of all, we have a housing strategy where we, we know how many units. So how many units are required for employee housing in the town? How many units are you, do you need within the village? How many units does the Thornbury commercial business community need? How many units will the seniors mm-hmm. of the town be dealt with by the wonderful campus of care? Another accomplishment of, of this council. So we need to understand what we require and we need to go for it. So that we make sure that we have all of those units through working with our partners, developers and community organizations to make sure that we deliver. I am also a fan of secondary suites, which is really one of the ways, you know, I have a girlfriend in Vancouver. She says that's, that's how people afford to live in Vancouver is with secondary suites, the additional income. We have a secondary suite program that really needs to be embellished. Right now it's only $5,000 and it probably should go up to 20,000, mm-hmm. but to help those folks build onto their homes or within their homes so that they can build units that at first could be for affordable or attainable housing. So they would only be able to charge a certain amount, but after a period of time, pay off that loan to the town. And then they've got that additional unit where they can always be bringing in family members or caregivers or whatever. So I think that, uh, you know, being creative is the first thing that we need yeah. to do. Being open, look at all the other options. How do we do it right? But with the next 4,500 units, to your point, we make sure that we have attainable solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it
0: might be hard to achieve.
1: It, it will be, but it's all about intention and purpose. And, yes.
0: yeah. really... and I think that getting the OP uh, where it needs to be will be a real, because if you got that benchmark, then you can manage that a little more, right? Question for you, final one on on the housing piece. I love what you said about data because I think at the end of the day, understanding what the needs are is critical. We always start first with things like, what's the built form? What's the style? What we really need to your point is, how many attainable housing units are we going to need to sustain the community and all the communities that rely on it? So I like where you're going with that. I think a lot of people will resonate with, do you see that as being an imminent exercise?
1: Well, that's what the housing strategy report is opening up on September yeah. 29th. That's great. I, so that's within I, this
0: council. Yeah, that's, that's great. a notice
1: of motion that that I put forward and council will support it. And, and it's, it's the data. I think that's a great way of putting it. It's the data of what do we really need? Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, that's what we need to do. We want to make sure no... Person is left without a roof over their head. So let's find out who do we really need to help. Because what I have learned with the table housing is that the the range of need, especially when you've got a town with such expensive real estate, I mean, even our firefighters making over hundred thousand dollars a year, it's difficult for them to live here. So people at forty thousand or sixty thousand dollars a year, how do they manage?
0: Yeah. Well, I know that was one of the was one of the drivers that the attainable housing corporation was trying to solve through its its current project and thinking was, how do you create a site or a inventory that could be used by the workforce, seniors, town and municipal staff, social agencies, doctors, healthcare, like, you know, it is it is robust. And so I think whatever the evolution of our strategy is, because I think we're in a really enviable place. We've got a big head start. So the, the question is now, how do we take all of this homework we've been doing and start to turn it into actionable outcomes.
1: And I think that's a great point uh, w- with the next council. That's exactly what we'll have to do, that we've got all these plans. I'm very proud of the communication plan because I do think it has been executed on and we have wonderful communication now. So we've we've got some good templates and so let's execute on them. Yeah, Attainable housing being the most challenging, but we're right there with everyone else in the world. I mean, read about the US housing crisis that they have. So, but we we need to be creative and and work within the confines of what we need to do. That's why I think that the data yeah, is important.
0: for sure. Nothing has uh, put a smile on my face more than attending recent election debates and, and open houses and hearing every sector of the community, whether you're a resident who's lived here a long time, whether you're someone new, an employer, a senior, everyone is asking, why don't we have these units yet? And I think that is shows a lot of community alignment and impatience. But what I've learned and what I think the town should be very proud of, yourself included, Councillor Hope, is that you've laid the groundwork and done a lot of hard homework where other municipalities are just getting started and reacting. And I think that that has been the one of the legacies of this last council is that you have invested, you have created some formulas and frameworks. And I uh, learned a lot. And so going forward, it's going to be to increase that velocity. So I hope that the current council doesn't see that as a failure. I, I hope it is seen as uh, a desire for momentum, but appreciation for the hard work. And I would imagine many people don't see that hard work. What's your sense on that?
1: Yeah, I know. I think that's fair. We've learned a lot about attainable housing. It's far more complex than I think anybody thought. For sure. So there might have been some bold statements made at the beginning, but I don't think any of us understood what was involved. And what I have learned is the enormous amount of funding it's going to take to help. Our members of our community have roofs over their heads. So I, I worry about taxes. So mm-hmm. it's fine to be talking about taxes on one hand, but we, we also have healthcare issues, yeah. really serious. I mean, when you talk about, you know, 30%, sometimes 50% of individuals do not have a primary care mm-hmm. resource. That's really serious. That's so hard on our hospitals and yeah. we don't have we didn't talk about hospitals not yeah. we don't have a hospital here so there's so much that we need to do to bring in doctors and we are so short of doctors yeah. um and we need young doctors need incentive they need funding like to bring them here they're carrying an enormous amount of debt we've got to i think be looking at funding that so just back to you know attainable housing it is an enormous portfolio. I don't think most of us really understood what was involved, and I do think that there's been some good breakthrough work. I do think we have to really make sure we execute on the promise of 171 King, or if it needs to go to another location. But I know that you know the housing corporation has done a lot of work, and we've got to make sure that we deliver those 80 odd units, 40 of which will be attainable units. But I think it's a very healthy way of putting it that you you've described. We've learned a lot about attainable housing. We know nothing. In municipal politics, when it comes to development, nothing—it's by decades. It's not even by years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I've learned. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> me too.
0: Me too. As a as a champion and as a, as an active participant and as a someone who's been learning and helping. Yeah, it's you have to manage your ex, your own expectations. And whenever you are on the bleeding edge of innovation, as I believe this town has been in this front, things take twists and turns. Uh, what I think makes me feel very hopeful for the future in the community is that so many people bring forward their ideas and their perspectives and we can have open debates and all ideas and challenging is a good thing. Uh, And I see that happening. And I think that, you know, just to give you some kudos, Councillor Hope, I have seen you participate in many meetings, whether it was a committee meeting uh, as a committee member at the council chambers, and you're not afraid to challenge and pose hard questions and uh, I respect that. And I, I know our members do too. And so I just want to congratulate you for that. It's not easy, but it it does deliver better results. So uh, I just want to commend you for that and let you know how appreciative many are of that.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. And I look forward to a new council that will appreciate that. I think democracy is all about different points of view, bringing them together. I think it's a beautiful part of coming to a solution. I've done it in my business life. You have too, and all our listeners. Uh, It's wonderful to bring uh, a solution where you've got one plus one and it equals three. It's actually better. That's right. By, by challenges. So I think what we want to make sure is that we create a really positive, respectful, and collaborative environment in this next council, where we really do encourage challenging and encourage different points of view and making sure that every voice is heard. That, that means a lot to me. and, You know, I I think that if there's anything that we didn't do well at this council, it's creating that positive culture at at all times. So I, I really look forward to much better days.
0: Great. Yeah. Good, good learning from the, from the experience and then just making it better. It
1: makes you stronger too. There's no question.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, if you don't ruffle feathers from time to time, I don't think you're really uh, doing what you need to do. So to me, it's always a sign you're on the right track when there's a little bit of debate, you know, it's, yes, it it tells you you're in the right, in the sweet spot. So I always look for that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So thank you. I think that's great. I, and I do think that most of our community members think that way too. Yeah. And they want a council that works really well together, that respects one another and invites diversity mm-hmm. from a point, point of view and in, in many other ways. That's as right.
0: Well. And, well, and as we become more diverse as a community, that means more points of view will come to the table and you don't want to stifle them. You actually want to encourage them. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's fun for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share a little bit more about yourself, your experience and to talk about so many issues. And um, I know our members will will really appreciate that you took the time to sit with us and to share some of your your thoughts and plans for the future. And we wish you all the best in the election to come.
1: Well, thank you very much, Andrew. I, I, I really enjoyed my interaction with you and with the uh, Blue Mountain Village Association. Uh, and I think there's a lot more that we can do. And I look forward to doing my part if I have that opportunity.
0: Wonderful. Thank well, you. have a great day and thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Blue Mountain Village Voices, a production of the Blue Mountain Village Association. For more, go to BlueMountainVillage.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.